Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Kelly Green Hour. I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and joining me, as always, is Connor. Connor, we're in the thick of the offseason here in the NFL, and this is you know, probably our favorite time of year because we get to see how the Eagles and the different teams around the NFL are going to stack up. How you doing, man? I am doing great, and I'm absolutely pumped to talk free agency today. And, like, you see all the moves being made and the changes to teams. It's, it's a big year because there's a new CBA. Teams can use both the transition tag and the franchise tag, and they're trying to make cap space. They're trying to clean house. It's it's going to be a crazy offseason, more than just for the Eagles. So I am pumped for this. Yeah, definitely. And well, we're going to start off with CBA talk and with the – New CBA being voted on by the players this week. Uh, there's going to be changes. We know the NFL owners uh, want to expand the season. They they want to start off going to 17 and then eventually get up to 18, um, which I'm a diehard football fan, so you could play 52 weeks a year. I don't care. That's why I love the XFL, being able to watch football in March, February, at the end of February and March and going into April is something that you know, I'm never going to complain about. Yeah, I know baseball starts, but Let's be real. The Phillies are like the fourth best team in the NL East. Um, I hate the Sixers. So them getting killed by Milwaukee yesterday was awesome. And the Flyers, I am more of a when the playoff talk to me when the playoffs come type of hockey fan. I won't lie. Yes, I am a Flyers fan, but I want to see it come playoff time. So, yes, they're playing really well right now. Three points out of first place in their division. But talk to me when the playoffs start. So that's where I'm at when it comes to that. But, you know, I'm all in with the XFL. I'm a Houston Roughnecks fan right now. Hopefully Philadelphia gets a team um, as early as next year so that I can get season tickets and know whether they play at the Link, Franklin Field, um, the Union Stadium, wherever they play, Citizens Bank Park. I'm definitely going to be there for the uh, Philadelphia, whatever their names may be, as long as the XFL can su- sustain success. And over the first three weeks, two and a half weeks, they've done that. Um, so, you know, again, I, I'll say it again. You can give me football 52 weeks a year and I'll never complain. Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched some of the XFL. Not, I can't say I've been religiously following it because uh, usually the Flyers are playing when that's happening as well. And you know me, Flyers are my second team at heart to the Eagles. So I'm always watching them. Um, and I mean, for me, it's just that the quarterback playing the XFL, man, if it was a bit Which, better, I think it would be there'd be a lot more. There'd be the more offense that they aim well, to I, have. I agree with you, but you, you have to think of it this way. If you are any good at quarterback, you're going to be one of the 32 or 64 best quarterbacks you'll be in the NFL. So it, it's going to be mm-hmm. tough. It's going to be tough for them to get any type of names at the quarterback position. You know, P.J. Walker, who's the Houston Roughnecks quarterback, is freaking awesome. He got to learn behind Andrew Luck. He got to play, you know, with Jacoby Brissett. He's going to be in the NFL next year. So they're going to have to find a way to bring in quarterbacks. And it's going to be tough because if you're any good at the quarterback position, if you're any good at linemen, because it's so hard to find linemen too, even in the NFL, if you're any good at those two premier positions, you're going to be in the NFL. So, yes, I agree with you. The quarterback play isn't good. You know, watching some of these Brandon Silvers uh, of the Seattle um, Dragons, like he's not good. Um, Tolliver of – or, excuse me, um, the heck is – I can't remember the quarterback for uh, Tampa, the Tampa Bay Vipers. You know, they should be going with Quentin Flowers, but they're going with this other guy who I don't even think is any. Like, I'm already looking into I wanted to do an XFL fantasy league, though. So that was just me. Um, I was trying to get all my my friends that I was in a fantasy a fantasy league this year, tried to do that, but we didn't have enough interest. Um, so if you're any good at the quarterback position, you're already going to be in the NFL. So, it, again, I agree with what you're saying. You want to try to get any type of good quarterback play. If the XFL can sustain success, 
this is where you could possibly see if a quarterback doesn't really want to go to college, but they have prospects of going to the NFL, maybe they go to the XFL for a year. Get some game tape. You get to play on a professional level against you know people that have played in the NFL or that have the ability to play in the NFL, and then go go into to the the draft or something like that. So we'll see what type of changes are made down the road. But that's going to depend on if the the XFL can be sustained. And as of right now, I think it can be, but obviously that can change. I thought the same thing of the AAF last year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was seeing that they were planning on expanding the league by eight more teams next year with four in each uh, conference. So, I mean, that would be really good for them. I think it, it's the amount of teams too. It's hard to sustain a league with such few teams. So I, I honestly hope that they sustain enough success and that there's people who have an interest. I mean, you know, Philadelphia, there's rumors swirling that they're going to get a team. As long as the vested interest is there after one year, there's a good chance they get those eight teams, and it becomes a lot easier, I think, to sustain your league with more teams. So I'll be interested to see what goes on. But like I said, I'm sadly not a religious follower of the XFL. They'll get you. They'll get you. It's football, man. But um, <laughs> all right, so let, let, let's move on towards the uh, to the NFL. Let's talk about the CBA. The uh, owners approved it. Um, it wasn't unanimous, but they got the enough votes to approve it. And the NFL Players Association Board or committee, whatever it is, they approved it. Now they have to go to the players, um, and they're going to vote this week. So it's definitely going to be interesting. They have the 17th game. The owners want to start it in 2021. The players want to start it in 2023. I think they're going to come to a resolution that it'll start in 2022 if this passes. Um, also, they're going to expand the playoffs, and that could be as early as this year which will go from 12 teams, six in each conference, to 14 teams, uh, seven in each conference, where the number one seed in each conference gets a bye week. So that I actually like that because you get to week 16, week 17, and sometimes the number one seed and the number two seed, you know who those two teams are. And maybe um, you don't, you know, you, you sit players week 17. Now, if you have the, the number one seed and the number two seed are a game out, you know, and if the number two seed wins and the number one seed loses and the number two seed jumps to number one, I know that's a lot of mumbo jumbo there, but, you know, now you're going to have to play week 17. I like that. You you know, it's going to change things fantasy football wise, um, but the, the making that week 17 important or week what would now become week, you know, 18 or week 19 because they'll probably add a bye week. Um, you know, I have no issues with it. You know, more football. And more competitive football is good, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the idea of even more competitive football. Does it, for me, the, the, having a week 17 and, or having 17 games, does it make a difference? Uh, not hugely, but I think they're going to have a hard time passing it if all they're going to do is remove one preseason game. I think you're going to have to, if they're willing to remove like two preseason games, then there's a good chance that the players will pass it more. But you can tell by Twitter already that some of the players are really pushing back on the CBA. Um, one of the more boisterous ones was J.J. Watt, who got ripped all over Twitter. It was kind of funny because everyone's like, well, you only play five games a yeah, year anyways. What difference does it make? So that was kind of funny. Um, but, I mean, for me, I, I like the play. I love the playoff idea. I love that playoff format concept. Would the would my big thing is would the Patriots dynasty be the same if you shifted that? That would be crazy to think if the Patriots had to play that first round, had to play extra meaningful football games instead of just getting the bye constantly. So yeah, I mean, we can they haven't made we can Super talk Bowl. about the what ifs. Yeah, the Patriots but. haven't made a Super Bowl run without a bye week. So you're right, and and you know. 
I think obviously the there are so they're going to go from four. Uh, if they hit add the 17th, they're going to get rid of a preseason game. When they add an 18th, they'll get rid of another preseason game. The owners aren't going to get rid of a quote unquote 20 game season. If you think about it, we have 16 regular season games, four preseason games. So it's always going to be 20. So when, it, when they go to 17, they'll get rid of a preseason game. When they go to 18, they'll get rid of another one. And I and you know while we all hate preseason, they're getting rid of preseason games too. So you get, you add an important regular season game to and get rid of a meaningless preseason game. My only question is, A, I have two questions. How do they determine who gets the extra home game? You know, it's going to be mm-hmm. a, it's going to be an unbalanced schedule. Does the AFC get the extra home game one year and then the NFC get it the next year? Do they do it by divisions? Um, and then how do they determine that 17th game? Um, we already know you get the six games within the division. Then you get the four games in the out of conference. That's 10. Then you get three more, which is the, the team that finished in the same spot that you did in your conference. So the Eagles finished first in the NFC East. They're going to face the first place winner of the NFC West, NFC South, NFC North. That gets you up to 13. And then another division in the NFC, they play. So this year they're going to play the NFC West. So not only do you play the San Francisco 49ers who finished in first place, but you're also going to play Seattle, LA, and Arizona. There's your other additional games. There's your 16. How do they determine the 17th game? Is it going to be like, do they do a some type of rivalry game across, across conferences? So Eagles-Pittsburgh, uh, Dallas-Houston, the Jets-Giants, um, Washington-Baltimore, um, Tampa Bay-Miami. Like, do they do it that way, or is it just going to be random drawing from a team in your conference? So th- there are a lot of odds and ends that they have to figure out in terms of figuring out that 17th game, but I definitely am intrigued. Yeah, I think the big thing for the owners right now is just more money, more money, more money. So they're just like, how can we make more money? Yeah, this is going to work. I like this idea. And then they throw in and they just want to get it passed at this point. Then they'll figure out those those deeper logistical things that have to be figured out. Because at the end of the day, the players aren't going to vote on, oh, do we have how are we going to decide that 17th game or who we play? So I know that like that'll be something that, that they worry about. Actually, the fact I think, but I actually wouldn't be surprised if that 17th game is a neutral site, whether it's in London, Mexico. Um, they pick a different, like, yeah, there's so many teams can go to sites, like, so St. Louis, St. Louis lost the Rams. Do you go to St. Louis and play? Like, they're there, and and then what happens with the Jaguars? The Jaguars have two games in London next year. Mm Um, do, are they going to ask for them to be or one of them to be a neutral site game so they're not technically losing two home games? So, again, it's just a lot of questions abound going forward to figure out how they're going to resolve. I mean, let, let's be honest. Khan thinks that it's a home field advantage for the Jags, but but Which honestly, that's just home field advantage for him. I was going to say there's that. I think they go there and they quite often are outfanned by basically every other team. But, I mean, yeah, it's really interesting to think about how they're going to end up to sign on these things. We do have a ton of neutral sites now, which would be huge for, I mean, I think Mexico's not as bad, but I think the issue, there's a bit major issue with England. You can't have a ton more games in England because of how difficult it is to fit it into the schedule with the buys, the travel, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard on the players, and I can't see them be agreeing to it, but hey, maybe you might see. 
they could go up the the Bills played up in Canada one year for Well, that's for, what uh, I was going to say. You might see some games in Canada. You might see if they're having issues with some small market teams trying out like going back to St. Louis, trying out going to some of these small markets that they think San they Diego. Can move a team to. Yeah, San Diego, St. Louis, some other teams who just haven't had a team in a while or they had their team fold or whatever and they just want to test the waters of the interest in bringing a team back, you know, I think that that would be a really interesting way to do it with a neutral site or play at a college football field too. You could always play college football fields. It's more of a neutral site type of thing. You never know. And more, more seats. But I mean, no matter what, I think that it's tough for the owners. It's tough for the owners to make money on that 17th game. I think because you have to make it somewhat neutral until you get an 18th game into play. Imagine Eagle Steelers at Happy Valley at Penn State or something like that. That would be awesome. Exactly. Having, having like Dallas Houston at the the Cotton Bowl or something. It's having, just it's just like the Heritage Classic or the outside hockey games. They play it at like neutral sites and they're they're really fun. There's lots of energy. There's tons of fans and there's lots of support behind it. That's why I think that's something they could really consider, especially like you said, Penn State, something like Houston. Imagine the fun they could have Houston and Dallas finding a good college field in Texas. Yeah, they could do cotton, they could do the Cotton Bowl or they can go to the University of Texas. They could do something like that. My other thing is apparently if I if I read this correctly, they're capping that seventeenth paycheck up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Again, you know, some players make are making upwards to over a million dollars a game. So I don't know how that's gonna work money wise. Maybe well, maybe maybe I, I, that's I, what JJ Watt was like, yeah, hard no, because we all know he makes money. Like who wants to put their body on the line for a seventeenth game just to make two hundred and fifty thousand? Now obviously we sit there and be like the two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, that could solve a lot of our problems. But hmm. you know, these players that are making sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, twenty, twenty five, thirty, thirty five million dollars a year are like, what am I gonna do for two hundred and fifty million two hundred and fifty thousand dollars? Like, why would I put my body on the line? Well, I think I also I read a bit more on that and I think they're expanding how much like when they pay. I think I saw something like instead of a 17 week paycheck, they're going to go thir- 34 weeks or something. So it lo- sounds like they're going to try and spread the payout anyway so that you're not getting this ridiculous chunk of money each week. Instead, they're kind of spreading it out better. I don't think that's going to fly with the players. And then another thing that I saw, which is extremely interesting in my eyes, is this whole marijuana situation, because apparently they're not going to suspend for marijuana use anymore. But it said nothing in regards to like fine amounts or how open they are to the players actually using marijuana. But it sounds like they will no longer suspend. But what that actually means for marijuana in the game of the in the game of football, completely, I they it's pretty vague how they kind of addressed it but i mean that's huge for a guy like josh gordon who struggled with marijuana who they say he has an addiction to marijuana and all this i'm i'm not one to believe in addictions to marijuana i think if they're really having issues with them it's probably a deeper issue than marijuana but i mean that is a super interesting aspect of it for me i don't even smoke marijuana but it's super interesting because of the punishment that players have had with marijuana and with issues like that so that that's another thing that's really interesting to me because it could solve a lot of the pain ish pain management issues on the sidelines because let's be honest it's not smoking up before a game or after a game to manage your pain or whatever it may be is probably a lot better than whatever they're shooting into your system to get you to go back out there and play with like a 
some type of torn ligament or something, some type, some type of issue, whatever injury you've suffered or whatever pain you're suffering through. You can't tell me what they're shooting you up with is any better than just marijuana. Well, and, and you have to think about it. They're making they're making weed marijuana legal in most in, in a lot of states now. So the NFL is eventually going to have to make a change. And you know, it's probably I mean, quote unquote, safer than like you're saying, doing other type of drugs, getting shot up with different type of medicines um to, to be healthy so they'll definitely have to that that'll definitely have to be incorporated and if they can incorporate mm-hmm. that into it you know the players are probably more likely to accept a a, C, a cba yeah absolutely i mean that that's a big thing i think that the, the, the pay and like they they want to play less games so that's i think that's a big thing the the, the divide there that's why i'm saying they gotta get rid of more preseason. And have let because I mean I know the owners are all about the money but I mean let's be honest they can't be making that much money off the preseason games I mean add some joint practices get rid of more preseason well, games if you whatever think, you got to do if you do. think about it if if you're a season ticket holder you automatically are paying for those um for those preseason games so even if there's nobody in the stadium the owners already got their money um so uh, yeah not, it's going to be not, interesting again they're not going to give up they're going to keep it at 20 against four or three regular season and 16 or 17 regular season excuse me and then three or four preseason so it's going to always stay at 20 they're not going to go less they're not going to go 17 and two the plus the 20 can give them the l you have 10 home games and 10 away games so like that's i think where they're going to try to rationalize that but you, you won't see them go to an odd number. They're, they're including the preseason into the regular season when it comes to a total number of games before playoff time. So it's, they're going to keep it at 20. And that's that's my guess. Um, you'll, you'll never see it not equal something else, um, especially an, an odd number. It, maybe it will go down to 18. Um, maybe it will go down to 18, but I doubt it because if you're going to an 18-game regular season, you want to have a preseason game. Or do what the Eagles and the um, – was it the Ravens last year? You know, teams do joint practices now. I think you get more out of a joint practice than you get out of a meaningless preseason game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and when you look at the preseason, it used to be something that, well, it never was something that really mattered, but it used to matter slightly more for some players fighting for jobs. Now you don't see roster spots up for grabs that often in the preseason. We're just sitting in there and we're like, who's going to be that LB4 or 5 for us? Who's going to be that quote cb6 or who's gonna be that wide receiver five and well, i mean let's be honest back in 2017 if we didn't have a preseason Corey clement doesn't make the team and Corey clement had a huge super bowl um the next year josh adams doesn't make the team and josh adams was our freaking leading rusher that year so it i agree it, it, i agree it's not, we to, need it's not it. to the extent to it was like 15 20 years ago when like a ross tucker type of guy had needed the preseason to build up his you know his resume to make the teams that he made so it, it, it is important, but it's not important to the extent as it was in the I past. don't think, yeah, I don't think you need four. You can definitely drop down to two and get the same out of those two games as you were probably getting out of the four games from that perspective. Because if you go down to like two, then guaranteed no starters touching the field. It's going to be two games of really crappy football where some one or two people are going to stand out, get that final roster spot on a team, and we roll into the regular season. And that's why I think it's better to get it down to two. 
But like you said, tough to say, too. But I think there was some about joint practices in the CBA, too, having having a joint practice or mandatory joint practice or something along those lines during the offseason. So the CBA was pretty significant. Someone broke it down, and it was still five pages. I, I was reading it on Twitter. Someone broke it down and into more, like, you know, more – layman terms like easy to read terms and it, it was like what like it was like five pages I read it but I'm like yeah there's still it was very vague there's still a lot to work out and obviously we'll see all we know is we want football in 2021 2022 so just get it done I that's cannot, all the owners back in, 2000, back in 2011 when we had that work stoppage for however, however long that was it sucked um like without the thought that just thinking that there's possibility of not having football starting when we're expecting it to start definitely don't want that so hopefully they come no. to an agreement sooner rather than later absolutely <clears throat> oh, excuse me all right so let's move on to free agency uh free agency starts in like a month a little less than a month and then march 18th yeah march 18th um and that preceding weekend the uh the unofficial tampering period will open up so the teams can meet with free agents kind of make offers and you got, that weekend, you kind of know who's signing where. Usually by the time uh, free agency opens up that Wednesday, March 18th. Um, we came to our top – our five positions that we feel the Eagles need to address. And in no particular order, wide receiver, cornerback, linebacker, defensive end, and safety, if I'm not mistaken. I think I got that Correct. Right. Yep. Um, so let's start with the only offensive position that we have, and that's wide receiver. For me, there are plenty of names out there. Well, the the position of wide receiver in free agency is not as good as it is at, say, the cornerback position or other positions. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Amari Cooper is the top name, and the Eagles are, you know, being talked about as a as a possible destination. Robbie and Robbie Anderson from the Jets. He's also another name the Eagles were talked about trading for the last couple of years. Uh, for me, I. Th- the wide receiver position in the draft. I think it's easier to find a wide receiver for the Eagles. In anyway, it's easier for the Eagles to find a wide receiver in the draft than it is for them to say, find a cornerback. I think that they need to get a more established corner mm-hmm. and they could use their, you know, the 21st pick and other positions are, and, and their other draft picks for other positions, you know, use the 21st for a Henry Ruggs. If he gets there or move or you use your, 21st and trade a, th- a third or a fourth or a player or whatever um, to move up to try to get in position to get maybe a CD Lamb, uh, Jerry Judy. But if I'm the Eagles when it comes to the wide receiver position, uh, excuse me, wide receiver position, use fill those voids in the draft. Unless you know Mari Cooper is going to come cheap, which he won't. Um, they can get no Robbie chance. Anderson cheap ish, no which chance. is not going to happen because again, the wide receiver position is barren when it comes to free agents. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, for me, I'm, I couldn't agree more with you on that. This is a deep, deep receiver class. They can easily get a couple good wide receivers out of it. And I mean, you're looking like you want all purpose receivers. Like we, we have a deep threat. We have JJ Ortega Whiteside. I know that's up for debate. What's he going to be? But we don't need another guy who's going to be like that jump ball guy. I mean, I know I've been on Twitter vehemently defending don't do Robbie Anderson. And you would not believe the amount of 
Eagles fans who think he's worth $14 million. The amount of Eagles fans who sit there and say, oh, look at his quarterbacks, look at his quarterbacks. If he's a receiver worth $14 million, it don't matter who his quarterback is. He's making the quarterback good when thrown to him. That for that type of money, you better be making that quarterback look good. You you and that quarterback better be working together. I mean, this man doesn't even have a thousand yard season yet, and he's looking for fourteen million dollars. And I mean, for me, let him go, let him go, man. I compared him. I said he's a poor man's Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson hasn't had great great quarterbacks all the time either, but he made stuff of it. Like you, and I. I mean, it did, it did help that Jameis Winston is a guy who chucks 50-50 balls up like they're going at a style. And, you know, Deshaun Jackson's one of those guys who he's going to get that 50-50 ball. Well, Jameis didn't really but, like throwing the ball to Deshaun. Like, And I'm of full belief that Deshaun's going to be healthy um, this mm-hmm. upcoming year. And the questions come, we know Nelson's not coming back. Are they going to be able to get rid of Alshon's contract, find a suitor for him, or just bite the bullet and and pay the $26 million just to cut him? Um Again, I'm not a big believer in in you know JJ right now. Obviously, that can change, but th- th- they have to revamp this position. They they should go in the next year with Deshaun, <clears throat> excuse me, Deshaun as a starter on the outside. Your first round pick, whether it's Henry Ruggs, Ceedee Lamb, Jerry Judy. Um, I hope it's not T Higgins, and I'm not really a big fan of that Colorado receiver. I can't remember his name Lavisca right now. Chanel. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of him. So, excuse me, or Jefferson. From LSU, I you know I want one of those top three. If they have to trade up, they have to trade up. That that could be the other starter, and then have a Greg Ward in the slot, because um, I really feel like Greg Ward has a chance to really to be a pretty good slot slot receiver. Um, mm-hmm. And then, but you also could incorporate. You have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. You know, one of them you could put also put in the slot. So, you know, they're, they're going to play a lot of two tight end sets. You just need to have that. Burn that burn guy, that speedster on the outside, and he's it would have been the healthy Deshaun last year, but obviously that didn't happen. I am a full belief he'll be healthy this year, but go out just in case he's not and draft a speed receiver that you can groom underneath Deshaun. This will probably be Deshaun's last year as an Eagle, depending on how this 2020 season goes. So you need somebody to be able to fill that void going forward and somebody that can grow with uh, Carson Wentz. Yeah, and I mean, this is not to say don't address wide receiver at all in free agency because there are some cheap options on the back end who can fit in slot roles or burner roles or whatever. Like, I I don't hate the idea of Demarcus Robinson. I personally don't hate it. He's raw. He's young. He doesn't have a ton of experience, but you might be able to work with somebody like that. And so I don't hate the idea of going cheaper in free agency. I just don't want to be that person at the top of the pack paying 18 million for Cooper, 14 million for Robbie Anderson. Heaven forbid going out there and paying like, Eight to ten million for Brashad Perriman, who some I people think is him. like re-emerging. No, he's not re-emerging. When you got Jameis Winston, who's throwing the ball, that team's throwing the ball at ridiculous rates because they have zero backfield to play with. Like you, no, no, Brashad Perriman is not suddenly re-emerging. He's not at suddenly coming out as a stud. He is a dynamic threat. He he has some skills, but but I mean, it took him like four years in the league to show those skills, that skill set off. And it took a guy like Jameis Winston, who's throwing a 50-50 ball up 75% of his passes. Now he did get the lace guy surgery. So you never know. He might become a lot smarter player now. But I mean, there are you see other- those memes when they show a picture of him and he's like, 
we only have four receivers, not eight. Like it's so funny when the the people that are the stuff that make fun of uh, Jameis because he had that surgery and he he had the first ever thirty thirty season in NFL history. Yeah, I mean there were yeah the, those memes are really funny. Um, but I mean there are other options at the wide receiver position too. Like you can look at a Keelan Cole. There there's people who have flashed flashed some some sort of potential but if you can get them on the cheap if you can get them for one or two million dollars and that helps shore up yeah your wide receiver five or whatever after you've drafted two wide receivers or a six wide receiver or whatever that may be then good uh, i'm i'm okay with that but i just don't want to be that guy at the top of the heat paying this is these big bucks because we need to pay the big bucks so it matters yeah linebacker where we have like one or two linebackers currently on our depth chart or cornerback where we've been looking to get that established cornerback for so long. Or safety where the only safeties we have on roster are over the age of 30 now. That's where you look to address those positions. Those, that's where you look to put the big money, the big bucks. Look at the linebacker position. Like We have nobody. After the release of Nigel Bradham, we literally have almost no linebackers on roster. So you got to put your money into literally the positions that have been our Achilles heel now. And we can't say that the wide receiver position has necessarily been our Achilles heel constantly. It was last year, but it hasn't been in prior years. Cornerback and linebacker have been the Achilles heel of that defense and of this team and stuff for for years, years. So we definitely definitely don't want to be at the top of the heap paying 18 million for a wide receiver because everyone's like, oh, we got 40, what, 46 million dollars. Yeah, you have 46 million, but you sink 18 million into one player and let's not forget that there's some re-signing that has to still be done so let's say you sink in like 15 million to your re-signing and 18 million into receiver boom you're out 33 million dollars already yep. so and again if you get rid of smart. if you get and if you again if you get rid of alshon you got to incorporate that money in where the eagles have about 45 ish after the Nigel Bradham release about 45 ish million dollars that they, that they're able to afford and you also have to remember they got to use some of that money towards the the, free, uh, the draft pick. So, um, yeah, it, they have to be smart with it. Let's move to the cornerback position. Um, Ronald Darby, not going to come back, most likely. Jalen Mills, possibility he comes back. We don't know how they see Russell Douglas or Sidney Jones. Avante Maddox could move to safety, depending on what they, what they do with uh, Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod. This is where I think the Eagles should spend some of that money, um, whether it's trading for Darius Slay and then giving him a new contract or signing a Byron Jones. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that and some names that you would like to see the Eagles pursue? Yeah, so uh, for me, I actually wrote an article a little while back about the cornerback position, and my three targets were Byron Jones, James Bradbury, and Bradley Roby. Obviously, Bradley Roby, the far less sexy option, but he's an aggressive shutdown cornerback who at least can stand his own ground. We have aggressive cornerbacks who cannot stand their own ground, as we see they get burnt like insanely. But uh, for me, the top of the pile, obviously, Byron Jones, just like everybody else. But Byron Jones, everybody I know is on Twitter. They're all like, he only has two interceptions. He only has two interceptions. Let's be realistic. Byron Jones is a shutdown cornerback, but not in the way that he he's flashy and he's sexy. He is an extremely intelligent cornerback. He has one of the lowest target rates because quarterbacks respect 
his ability to well, read plays. Okay, I, I I hear what you're saying, but a lot of the same stuff was – now, I'm not comparing him to this guy. Oh, here we go. But a lot of the same stuff was said about Namdi Asamoah when he was with Oakland. And then he came here, and he could, now he was probably in the wrong type of defense, which I, I will um, blame on, you know, Billy Davis – no, not Billy Davis, excuse me. Um, Juan Castillo, I think, was our defensive coordinator at the time. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But, you know, if – he again he wasn't he wasn't targeted at all pretty much in Oakland and when he came here he was abused like a turnstile. So again, I'm not I'm not comparing the two. And Byron Jones, you know, he's younger. Um his measurables at the combine were freakish. But yeah, I'm I'm no, see, no, I, I don't see, know if he deserves the the fifteen to twenty million dollar type of contract that he's looking for. You see now I'm this is a reason I think that they've been so hesitant to address the cornerback position because we live and die on what happened with Namdi Asamo and Dominic Rogers Cromartie years ago. We you gotta put that in the past. This position, we we just said it has been an Achilles heel of our defense forever because we they need those defensive ends and those defensive tackles. If you have a couple of shutdown cornerbacks giving you even just a a second longer, two seconds longer of of tight coverage, that makes the world of a difference in a 4-3 scheme like what Jim Schwartz lives and dies on. You need those extra couple of seconds. So we need to just invest in the position and we have to stop thinking about, well, what about this? What about, look how comparable he was to Namdi Osmo. Look how comparable he was to DMC or DRC. Like, no, don't, no, don't. We got to get past that because that's why we haven't been addressing the position. And I don't, I don't agree with that mentality by me. If you don't think he's worth that, you can always look at the James, James Bradbury, probably expected to do 13 million. I would or actually, you can, go, or you can you know, go to the Bradley Roby, who's probably more eight to 10 million, but there's a bit more risk to Bradley Roby. The one guy that I would do, cause he's, he, he was a first round pick and, you know, I think you can get him for low risk, high reward, and that's Vernon Hargraves. He was drafted by Tampa, released, went to Houston. Um, he's a free agent. Free agent, still young-ish. I'm pretty sure. Um, I would probably look at him. He's only 24, um, and he's somebody that I think put in a put in. You know, with with a locker room like the Eagles, and if you have that, um veteran presence around him I'll put at the safety position if Mal- you bring Malcolm Jenkins back I think he's got somebody who has the measurables and that he could be a, a guy on the outside I I'm a, I would not put Avante Maddox on the outside because there's talk of the Eagles like him on the outside but we saw what he did against um the Packers um what the heck is their receiver's name that abused him in the first three quarters um what the heck is the Packers no uh, Devontae Adams and oh yeah um, Adams yeah we you know he he's somebody that I, I don't see him as as an outside corner. If he's going to stay a corner, he needs to be in the slot. If he's if if not, move him back to safety. But they have to get somebody. I think Vernon Hargraves is somebody I think you can get on a low risk, high reward type of contract if you're looking to save money somewhere with a player. You definitely need to shore up the position no matter what. So you well, can go low risk, high reward. But we definitely. We have a we talked about this at the start of the season, I think, where we said we have quantity over quality. And if you're putting Vernon Hargraves in, you're adding to the quantity, we're looking for reward on the quality side of it. And I'm just not prepared to continue to do that. But I think the most important, the most vital thing here is 
if you miss out on Jones or you miss out on Bradbury, you miss out on those big names, do not. And this, I cannot stress this enough for Howie and I cannot stress this enough for Eagles fans. Do not go settle in for those older guys. No, we don't want Chris Harris. No, we don't want Jimmy Smith. No, we don't want Prince of Mukamara. Stay away from the 30-somethings. We had one of the oldest teams in the league last year. We need to get younger. And if you miss out on the big names, don't stress, stress, stress. And Would you trade add for Darius Lay? Absolutely. Would I trade a first-rounder? Absolutely not. There's, now, I, that, I that's suggest the difference. It. I suggest it because you know, I think you put it out on our, on our Twitter. And I said, Sidney Jones and a three. Would you do that? I liked what I saw from Sidney Jones at the end of the season. But yeah, like other teams are going to look at that too. They're going to be like, I liked what I saw from him. I didn't like what I saw from a Maddox. I didn't like what I saw from Rasul Douglas. So if they liked what they saw and and it lowers the value of the pick we have to send in return, I'd probably take the risk because a Darius Slay is going to give you way more value than uh, Sidney Jones and whatever that third-round pick is, I would probably put money on it that he will provide more value than those two in the long haul. But the big thing is the extension. That's the only thing you have to give. He's not going to go somewhere where he's not going to be extended. Or, you know, it could be like the Rams right now who are interested in getting Darius Slay, but they also have Jalen Ramsey. They have a terrible cap situation, and they have to extend one of them. And if they bring in the other one, they have to extend both of them. So, I mean... It it's tough for me. Like the the cornerback position is such a weird position to always address because it feels like like you said we pick these guys up and they just forget how to play football. Um, but I gave you my three who I'd like to see. Bradley Roby is that like that sexy option. He's the one who lays the big hits. He's the one who makes the interception. He's the one who he's a but he can get burnt. But he can't. He doesn't get burnt as badly as the people we have on roster, but he's a physical corner. So he's not going to be that guy who's like, yeah, I'll play 10 yards off for you. He's going to play a couple yards off and be aggressive at the line of scrimmage. And that's what I like, because I think we need a shutdown cornerback like that, an aggressive one or a smart one, but not someone who's just ready to walk into the system and sit there and be compliant. Like the rest of the cornerbacks who played 10 yards off and got burned as soon as they made a move seven yards into the route and then burnt them. Like, we need some a true shutdown cornerback, but we should not just settle. I don't like Chris Harris. I think he's a slot cornerback at heart. I don't want him. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we need that. There's a ton of slot corners, so it's important not to fall in to sign in a slot cornerback because there's a ton of them in free agency this year. It's important to get the man-to-man shutdown corner guy. Yeah, and the only thing I think when it comes to Byron Jones, if they were to sign him, it hurts Dallas. Um, he was there. I think best. no matter what, he's not going back to Dallas. So <clears> it's no going to be tough. It's, it's going to be tough, especially what they have to do with the quarterback position and Amari and, you know. With the, with I mean, the, you the look, they've they they a to give ton out. of cap, but they got like offense, vitally important offensive linemen coming up. They got Cooper, like you said, they got Dak Prescott. I think they have like 70, 80 million dollars, but they're about to like if you think of signing Cooper and Prescott, you're sinking almost 40 million bucks right there into those two. Cap guys. is also cap is also gonna go up with the new CBA. So I mean if if Howie can circumvent the the cap, I'm sure somebody in Dallas can. I mean, I hope they can't, obviously, but we'll see. Let's move to another position. Mm-hmm. I think a position that will help the corners out is the defensive end position. The Eagles and Brandon Graham had himself a really good year, but 
They struggled getting to the quarterback, and I'm not a big Derek Barnett fan. Um, they're probably going to pick up his fifth year option, but I'm, I'm, I'm I haven't bought in to to Barnett yet. So I think they need to make a signing at the defensive end position to bring in a starter. Um, there's mm-hmm. names out there like Yannick Ngakwe, um, Shaquille Barrett, but I think he'll probably go back to Tampa, and Jadavion Clowney. There are three names right there. The They're all gonna most command hated man in Philly that could easily become the most loved well, man. Exactly. Um, there, there are three ends that are going to command a lot of money. If, of the three, I probably would go with Yannick Ngakwe. That's just me. But what are your thoughts? And kind of if you wanted to rank a one, two, and three, who the Eagles should go after. Yeah, you see, I, I like Yannick Nagalke too, but the only issue in reading up on him and in watching him is he fits more of a 3-4 scheme. He's not a very good run stopper. That's the issue. But if you're constantly wreaking havoc and you got Malik Jackson, um, Brandon Graham, and Fletcher Cox who are stopping the run, I guess you can afford that because, I mean, you look at Derek Barnett, Derek Barnett, doesn't do much in the run stop, and he doesn't get a ton of pressure in the backfield. So, I mean, if you have to sacrifice it, I I like the option. It's just, obviously, as long as we have the run stoppers, we address the linebacker position with someone who can cover and run stop, and then you have those other three. I could go for Yannick Nagalkwe, but he's going to command a ton of money. Like, no matter what, these guys are commanding a ton of money. Um, I like Jadavion Clowney too. Hate him for what he did, but we have to move past it if he's going to come over and help us a lot. I mean, I know he made comments. We as fans have made comments. Players on the Eagles made comments, but we got to put that in the past if he's going to come over and he's going to help us. A Jadavion Clowney and a Brandon Graham mix for the next couple years would just wreak some ridiculous havoc in the backfield. Um, I don't hate Dante Fowler, honestly. I'm not. I don't hate it. I mean, there, there's obviously there's some risk to it. He signed the one-year prove-it deal. He proved it, but is the prove-it deal just just that, just to prove it, or can he sustain it? I mean, I think he could sustain it on a defensive line like what we have, because you look at what they had in L.A. Um, I think he just can't be a focal point of a defensive line. But if you have Brandon Graham, Malik Jackson, Fletcher Cox, like we have. Um, I'd be all for a Dante Fowler. I think for me, number one, my number one's going to be Jadavion Clowney. As much as we want to hate him, we, we got to learn to love him. But he's going to command a ton of money. Um, and I think on the Seattle Seahawks line, I mean, he only had three sacks. But I think he that's indicative of their off their defensive line and what we present on the defensive line as well. I think they did have Frank Clark, or no, Frank Clark ended up in Kansas City. They did have a decent defensive line, but we have a better defensive line. So I'd go Jadavion Clowney, Yannick Nagakwe, and then I'd put Dante Fowler as my third option. What are your thoughts on, I'll give you, I'll throw three names out, or a couple of names at you, Everson Griffin or Robert Quinn or Vic Beasley? I like Everson Griffin. I like him a lot, but his age. Hey, that's the thing like this year, like we need to focus on getting younger. So, I mean, if you take an Everson Griffin, if you address a defensive end position also in the draft where you get somebody younger to groom behind him, or you do already have Derek Barnett there. I mean, maybe it works, but let's not get it. Let's not kid ourselves. Let's not dig a hole and put ourselves in a four or five year contract and end up in an issue with like Alshon Jeffrey. We have to be realistic about this. And like if people, if we come to the table, and we say we have a two year deal, we have a third year player option or third year team option. And they say, well, I got one, a four year with a team option from somewhere else. 
let him walk. You have to, like, let's not get ourselves in the situation where we have a 32-year-old defensive end who we're going to put under contract till he's 36 going on age 37. So, I mean, it for me, it's so dependent on contracts this offseason because we've watched so many contracts bite us in the ass because we're sitting on a ton of dead money right now. And if we move on from Alshon Jeffrey, we sit on a ton more. So it's, I think it's important, but he's disruptive. He's great. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to have him, but more on a two-year with a third-year team option or something along those lines, which would take him to 34, and you could make the decision to take him into the 35-year if he's still showing some dominance. Um, but I think it's important to, to probably just to get younger at the position. And, I mean, you could go with some of those those risk plays like Vic Beasley. But like I said, I think – we got to move on from the risk plays this off season. Take the risks in in the draft, not free agency. Yeah. So my my top three would be Ngakwe, Clowney, and then probably Robert Quinn because he was pretty disrupt disruptive last year for Dallas. And again, another guy that you would take away from Dallas. I don't see him going back to Dallas, but you never know. Let's move on. <laughs> excuse me, to linebacker. And Oof. again, yeah, again, we discussed Nigel Bradham's, uh, we, we quickly touched on Nigel Bradham's release. All they have are TJ Edwards and Nate Gary. And again, Nate Gary led the entire world in missed tackles. I am not a fan of Nate Gary. I wish he wouldn't be on the team, but he's unfortunately going to be on the team. TJ Edwards has a chance to be put in there um, as, as a starter. Um, we'll see, but they definitely need to address the linebacker position. They need to bring in a veteran. They need to bring in somebody who can play. And I think I'm going to get, I'm going to throw two names at you. Or I, I think two names, sorry. Um, let's start off with the green Bay guy, Blake Martinez. And then mm. an old friend, Michael Kendricks. What do you think? There are two names that I'm actually looking at. I love Blake Martinez. Um, the only thing with him is he's not—he—he's had his issues in run support. But I mean, if you get an excellent coverage corner, a really good coverage corner in Blake Martinez or coverage linebacker, sorry, in Blake Martinez, I mean, you—you you can kind of bite it on because we had ter—we we had terrible run support in linebackers in the first place. So if he's just a slight upgrade. Let's say in the run support that that's already tons of help. I mean, like the we the reason our run defense was so good was we relied on that line. We relied on Fletcher Cox. We relied on whoever was rotating beside him, and we get Malik Jackson back this year. So we're we're relying on our tackles and our ends to make the stops more on the run than the linebacker position. For us, it was um it was the way our linebackers got burnt on a missed tackles in the open field and b their ability to cover because there was almost no ability to cover. Like you said with Nate Gary, the frustration was, was in his coverage massively, massively. And um, so I love Blake Martinez. Which is weird be, for somebody that played safety in college. I know, exactly. You, you think, thank God he's not safety. Imagine him in, as a safety. Um, if he was at a least, safety, he wouldn't be on the team right now, so maybe he should be. <laughs> well, there you go. True, true enough. So I love Blake Martinez. I just think like, there's Littleton, there's Schobert, there's Martinez, and they're all going to commend a ton of money. But if you truly want to face this linebacker need head on, 
we're going to have to spend money. Linebacker and corner, like I they said, those go. are the two positions that you're going to have to spend money. I know they don't. They hate to. But like I said at the start of the episode, these two positions have been our Achilles heel. And they will continue to be until you choose to address it. I get the 4-3 scheme. I understand the linebacker carries a tremendously less value. But one good linebacker like a, a Blake Martinez or Joe Schobert could make all the difference in support in support in that defensive line. Same as the cornerback position. Add in just that one great shutdown corner who basically locks down one half of the field for you could make all the difference for those tackles and ends on the line. Um, as far as Michael Kendricks goes, I mean, he, he's honestly not someone I considered a ton, a ton. Like I considered a guy like from the Bengals, like Nick Vigil or something. I didn't really think about Michael Kendricks. I know Michael Kendricks is 30 years old. He had a cup. He, he left and he didn't do terrible once he got out of his uh, off field issues. So, I mean, honestly, you want you want my complete honest opinion. We never should let Jordan Hicks go. We should have paid him because we're going to pay for you, it this you, year. In you, free do real, you do realize that if he would have been here last year, he'd have got hurt. <laughs> like, There's a chance, but he didn't get hurt. <laughs> that's because so, he wasn't here. He well, was in Arizona. <laughs> well, then take the risk, man. What did he get? $13 million? This, they would have brought him back if he didn't get that contract from Arizona. I think. And now look, now we're sitting here talking about Blake Martinez, Joe Schobert, and Corey Littleton, who are all going to come in bordering on $20 million. So now we're going to sit there and we're going to talk about, oh, we don't want to spend $13 million on a athletically gifted linebacker who had some injury issues. He didn't probably have some injury doing, issues. Probably he had doing large injury, part. He had injury issues every year he was here. Probably That's doing large some. part That's to the Eagles and our inability to keep people healthy or our inability to rehab people properly. But now, look, we got the people in place. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I don't know how many times we've turned over this this health and medicine department or how many more times we need to turn it over. But, I mean, you didn't want to pay $13 million. Well, now you're paying for it this year because at the very least, Blake Martinez, who's probably the one who will get the lowest or command the lowest, is probably going to be $16, $17 million. So you're going to pay for it this year and have to address that position. I, because, I wouldn't hold honestly, my breath with them spending the money on the line. But they're going to obviously add – they need to add – pieces but i think it's going to be more of second tier type of linebackers they're not going to spend more than 10 15 at most at most and that's going to be a, a shocker if they do that for a linebacker i mean and i'm, I'm okay with that but the, like the people of us are mocking us taking a linebacker in round one i'm sorry let's be realistic we never take linebackers in the first round what was, what was jordan hicks hicks wasn't a first was he no no he exactly Maybe? Yeah, he was. Yeah, and even that was like high for the Eagles in drafting a lot. It could take one in the second round if Kenneth Murray from I think it's, that's his name from Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, he he. Somebody. I don't see him dropping that far, but the it the potential's there. But there's a lot of teams with the need at linebacker. Like I look at the oh, the, oh sorry Vegas. Look at the Las Vegas Raiders. They, they, they have the same exact needs as us. The good thing is they don't have a second-round pick, but there's also a lot of teams that have that same need, a cornerback, a wide receiver, a linebacker. That's the unfortunate reason why a Henry Ruggs is not going to fall to us because the wide receiver needs throughout the league and trying to keep that wide receiver need on the cheap, trying to address it on the cheap. 
through the draft is is going to hurt us because we're going to sit there and we're going to be on the clock and we're going to have those guys you dislike. We're going to have Justin Jefferson, LaVisca Chanel, and, and the likes of that on the clock for us. So it, it, it it's tough because the, the need is across the league in a lot of these positions. Yeah, it is. And, and, and again, unfortunately for the lack of drafting ability for the Eagles at those positions, that it's hurting. And but finally, it's also important, I think, to point out, like, you want to trade picks. It's important we keep a lot of picks. For the last two years, we've had four and five draft picks. I know. They have ten picks right now. They're not going to draft ten guys, though. They're, they're, they'll, they'll probably draft seven, eight at most. So they're definitely going to make trades with picks because I don't see them bringing in ten draft picks this year. I just don't see it. it. They very rarely do that. And Howie, I think Howie's on his, you know, Howie season mode where if he – finds a player that he wants, he's going to find a way to move up, whether that is, you know, Judy Lamb, Ruggs. Uh, if he thinks Grant Delpit is somebody he wants to go after, if he thinks Christian Fulton is somebody he wants to go after in the first round, I think that I wouldn't be shocked to see how we make moves. But that's and, something mean, that we'll discuss. Even if he uses later ones too, like last year traded a seventh for Ridgeway, and Ridgeway ended up being, you know, a decent acquisition at the tackle position because of the hurt. Malik Jackson injury. And then he got hurt too, yeah, but... We right, digress. So yes, let's move to our the final position, the safety position, quickly. I think they're going to bring Malcolm Jenkins back, but I don't think Ronnie McLeod's coming back. Um, if they bring in Jenkins, which I think they need to, because they're probably going to go young um, at the corner positions, whether that's draft picks, whether that's some of these young second-tier free agents, which they shouldn't do, but I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I also could see them possibly bringing in a ha-ha Clinton Dix, and then I mentioned Grant Delpit's name. If the three, the top three receivers are off the board, and Delpit's there at 21. It wouldn't shock me if they took Delpit from LSU. He's the best safety in the draft. Um, he, he, he's like a, a Tyron Matthew type of safety, somebody that's going to go out there and hit you, somebody that can go from sideline to sideline. So it wouldn't shock me if that they decided to go young. You bring it, you bring back Malcolm Jenkins. You draft Grant Delpit. Delpit has somebody he can play next to, he can learn from, so that when Jenkins leaves in a year or two, you have that natural successor right there. Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't love the, the free agents at safety. I mean, the biggest one that stands out to me, who I don't think we'll end up paying for, is Justin Simmons from the Broncos. He's an exceptional play, an amazing, amazing ball hawk safety. Um, he's had like 11 picks in the last four years, which doesn't sound amazing and sexy, but remember, he's a safety. So, I mean, he, there's like he there's a couple options. Like you said, a ha-ha Clint Dix. Um, I like Justin Simmons. I, I I don't love the idea of Anthony Harris because I think he's going to command too much money. Um, for me, yeah, like you said, like if you can, unfortunately, the need at safety is very urgent in a litter, in a in a close by rival, um, and that's Dallas. And a number of mocks have them taken a safety. Like every mock I read almost has them taken a safety every time. And that safety is Grant Delpit. So unfortunately, there may be, like you said, maybe he'll trade up. Maybe he'll get ahead of Dallas if he hears that Dallas wants him. And the top receivers off the board, maybe he'll try and leapfrog him and, and make less of an investment. Because if you want a Judy or a Lamb, you're getting in it. You have to leapfrog to that top 10 and it's going to cost you. But um 
I mean, for me, I mean, I'd love to see like a Justin Simmons, but I mean, I know that we have to be realistic here as well. If you're given an extension to Malcolm Jenkins, you're going to give him more money than in free agency. Like you said, we're going to probably look to the second tier of safeties in free agency. I wouldn't hate the idea of bringing Rodney McLeod back if he comes back at a decent number. Um, and then we draft, whether it be, like you said, Dalpit or you draft in Rams 2, 3 later on and whatever to get younger but I mean you just can't like don't get suckered into these big deals one year with a second year team two years third year team option something along those lines for a Rodney McLeod who's a dendry issues and is heading towards north of 30 so he had a really good I mean year. he did so I mean it, it's possible that you can bring him back but we need to draft we still need to get younger at the safety position no matter the situation you can't have 30-something Jenkins and 30-something McLeod continuing on for many more years. As great as Jenkins is and as physically gifted and fit as Malcolm Jenkins is, we do know that there is the, the downfall eventually. There will be the regression eventually. It's just a matter of when. Um, so, I mean, the safety position, like I said, in free agency, it's not that great. It's not something you go out and spend a ton of money on, especially when the needs are at cornerback and linebacker more than anything. So, yeah, I'm with you. If you can get that top, one of them top safeties, if you get him, I'd even be okay with Xavier McKinney. I just might be a reach at 21 to go for him. Um, I've seen some mocks that have Dallas taken McKinney at, what, 17, 18, whatever the heck their pick is. Yeah, I think they're they're at 18. Yeah, and I think the I think the combine's really gonna separate the the certain players from mm-hmm. certain players. So that's gonna and be that's the what's gonna maker. I think the combine's gonna help Henry Ruggs a lot because we I think he's gonna run a four two five and he runs a four two five he's gonna go top 15. Yeah, I think that Ruggs has an opportunity to have some incredible measurables, but we're gonna do a draft only show down the road, so we won't get too crazy into that. Yeah, we won't. Um, but this is a, a very important offseason for Howie Roseman and the Eagles. They have a lot of holes to fill. They have to get younger. Um, they have decisions to make with Jason Peters, Malcolm Jenkins, Jalen Mills, you know, what they're going to do. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what happens. But this is the best time of year. We're, March 18th is going to get here before we know it. And free agency is going to open up. And this Eagles team is going to look different. It's going to look really different. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, I mean, it's going to be crazy to think about how these guys were cut out for him this year. But as he should, because he's kind of kicked the can down the road on a lot of these players, a lot of these contracts. So now he's got to start dealing with them and giving us, giving the team the assets and getting the younger assets that we need to, to get there. Because I don't think we're that far off. I still don't think we are. We said it last offseason, but I'm, damn it, I'm saying it again. I don't think we're that far off. Hey, as long as we can stay healthy. Um, the health, like we saw it. I think the, the biggest, the biggest key that was is big. getting healthy. The biggest key is staying healthy. They made the playoffs with Greg Ward, Boston Scott, you know, Josh Perkins. Like They filled the screen with our injuries. Like You don't see that often. Exactly. They, they pop up an image, and it's usually names – three or four names at the bottom of a screen, they literally popped up an entire image of like 12 injured players who hit the IR. Exactly. So they can get healthy. All things will be fine for the And I think Malik Jackson's return will be humongous for that defensive line, especially Fletcher Cox. Oh, definitely. And he won't be getting double teamed anymore, hopefully. Um, And Brandon Graham, you know, 
yes, he's going to be, what, 31, I think, um, starting this year. But still, I think the, the, the work he puts in the offseason, they'll be better. They just, again, we just have to add speed and youth to this team so that we don't go through a rebuilding period in a year or two. I completely I rather retool, agree. I, I rather retool than rebuild. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, retooling is a lot better. But when you think about, look at our cap situation, look at the players we already have, we're in a pretty good spot compared to a large majority of teams. We could be the Vikings who just finally got under the cap, but it cost them Everson Griffin to get there. Um, and now they only have $2 million in cap space, and they're, I think we're closer than the Vikings, personally. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're going to be trading Stephon Diggs. Diggs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, before, before Which, we, would you yeah, trade for Diggs? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you the same thing. You know what? I, honestly, yeah, I probably would. I probably I would trade for Diggs before I traded for Darius Slay. Oh. That is my opinion. Diggs is on younger, too. Isn't Diggs 27, 28? Diggs? Ah, man, I think he's younger than that. I want to say he's younger, but uh, he may not be. But, yeah, Diggs just... Diggs is like he's not just a burner though. He's a good he's a good receiver and I think he's been disrespected and underappreciated in in Minnesota. And if you're asking me if I would trade for him and bring he's him here. He's twenty six, so yes, I would definitely do it. Absolutely, I would do it. And right now it looks like the ask may be bordering on a second round pick. Oh, do it in a heartbeat. If you have to give up even if if because of the position of our second deeper in the second round and they say I want a fourth or a fifth. Absolutely, send if you, it. In if a you trade, if you trade a second and a fourth or a fifth, whatever for Diggs, you could use that first round pick on if Christian Fulton's there, you can get a corner. Um, Grant Delpit, even or if, if, even if for somehow somehow Henry Ruggs drops down, could you imagine a receiving corps of Ruggs, Diggs, and Deshaun Jackson with the two tight ends and Miles Sanders? Come on now, man. Come on. Oh no, it goes without saying. It, it would be an amazing. I would like I said, I would trade for Diggs. Well before I'm trading for for Darius Slay. Darius Slay's a bit older. Darius Slay's commending a lot more money. I I would I would roll. I mean, you look at his contract too. He's under contract till 2023 at 11.4 million dollar cap. Do it in a heartbeat. Do it in a heartbeat. Hopefully, Howie is uh, looking into that because that would be an awesome uh, uh, second day draft second day draft day trade. That would be awesome. I'd be all for less picks on day two. I'd be like, yep, mm-hmm. I don't even care. I would do it. We could do a show on Stefan Diggs. I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. All right, Connor, it was fun. I'm glad we were able to get this in. Um, definitely a big offseason ahead for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, ho- hopefully they get good news when it comes to the CBA so that we're not going to – we don't have fear of there being a work stoppage in a year. Um, but, God, I cannot wait for – for, for a free agency to start it's gonna be so much fun mm-hmm. no doubt i i'm i'm so pumped i had the combine this week oh, oh yeah pumped for be- the combine pump for pump for free agency pumped for the draft oh yeah i just want the season to start again that's very very true uh you can reach us at twitter you can follow the kelly green hour at twitter at kelly green hour follow connor at connor 10 that's connor t-e-n and follow me at ljharrell 54 on twitter our DMs are open if you want to talk, um, co- you know, comment, um, interact with us on any polls, any information that we put out. We love to talk f- football and uh, everything sports or Eagles related, NFL related. I'll talk XFL. I won't lie. So, uh, yeah, for Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you again for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. 